overkill, profusion, excess, surplus, too much, abundance. When it comes to the body of Christ, God is just a big show-off, heaping spiritual gifts on his people in an embarrassment of riches. I'm Laura Pace. And I'm Jessica Denny. You're listening to Embarrassment of Riches, where we explore the wisdom, passion, power, and grace that God has showered on the women of Dallas Bible. Welcome back to Embarrassment of Riches. Hey, Laura. Hey. It's getting better and better. I don't think so. I don't think it got better. Uh, We have been doing in our small group at church, um, our life maps, life stories. Mm -hmm. And uh, this week we got to hear our friend Annie Mooney's story. And this week we were also planning on talking about grief. And so Laura and I thought it would be great to invite Annie back um, because, hey, Annie, (laughs) because Annie has a unique perspective that I think she can add to this conversation tonight. I mean, I think you always have a unique perspective you can add to the conversation. And we, this is a topic that, um, you know, we put out there and by we, I mean, Jess put out there on the Facebook world, um, like that we would love ideas for things people want to talk about. And this is something that someone specifically reached out to us and said, um, I think talking about grief, how you, how somebody copes with grief and how you support someone in grief would be a really relevant topic. And I think it's relevant no matter what, because sadly people are always like, there's going to be somebody in your circle that's grieving something. And I think a lot of people have been experiencing a, a type of grief through the this experience with a pandemic. I mean, there's been a lot of loss and change and and transition for sure. So, and that's that is part of the grieving process. So, I I, I appreciated the suggestion. Yeah, I did. I did too. Oh, better turn off my. Sorry, guys. I for some reason never have my phone ringer on, but it is this today. Is real time. <laughs> it's real time. Real. You're seeing it how it's made. That's right. How the sausage is made. Yeah. That's Y'all I, love it when I use that expression. It's a great one. Thank you for including that. Um, so I, I kind of was, we were talking about it before and we, we talked about, um, not necessarily dividing the podcast, but approaching, talking about grief in two different ways. One is how you yourself can walk through grief and in healthy ways and in um the way that god wants us to and you know we have a a good father that is like wants us to grieve he doesn't say just move on um and then how you can support someone in grief which is i think really hard because so many people just don't know what to say when they haven't walked in what you've experienced sure i'm being very aware to not drift off just that I have a therapeutic voice and my voice drifts <laughs> off so I'm trying to stay even um yeah but I've heard that a lot people say I just don't know what to say mm-hmm. or I don't you know there, there there aren't any right words and I think that's a really common paralysis that people feel is if you see someone in grief it's hard to move toward them or forward when you feel like you don't 
know exactly what to do or say. And we talked about this last week uh, when, I don't know why, randomly I brought up the bunny, um, the bunny bear uh, video, the Brene, mm-hmm. I, Brene Brown, I don't mm-hmm. know if it was Brene Brown or not, yeah, but about that, I think a lot of times it's because we don't realize what the goal is for us is literally not to fix it. It is literally not to make it feel better. It is to bear witness to it. Mm-hmm. And so to to be to sit in pain with somebody, mm-hmm. to be willing to enter into that pain with them for a moment. And um, just like a, a joy, that's a, that's a proverb that, that not, not from the Bible proverb, but like, you know, a proverb in the proverbial sense. <laughs> but a joy shared is doubled. A sorrow shared is half the sorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, that there's something about just being present with somebody when they're hurting mm-hmm. that alone, the wor- the words don't, don't worry about the words as much as just sitting there being willing to allow someone to feel what they're feeling. Did I reference the movie inside out in that same conversation? No, there's such a sweet scene I and I actually movie. showed it. I love that movie. And I, I showed a scene, um, from that movie in a talk that I gave at Mohawk, um, and there's a, 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 a scene where the feeling joy, the character joy, and the character sadness see um, another character in the movie lose something. And joy is like hopping up and down, trying to dance, trying to get the guy to feel better, like offering Diverting him. Diverting attention. Yes. And, and just like basically trying to rescue him from his emotions. And sadness goes and sits down and says, like, this is really hard. I, I you know, I it's sad when you lose something that's important to you. And, and I mean, it's a, an abbreviated version version of the grieving process, but the, the character is able to kind of cry with her and he feels seen by her. And then he's able to get up and kind of move forward with the mission that they were on. And I think that like the biggest part of grieving is empathy and empathy is being able to kind of step into a space that you maybe haven't experienced, but you can imagine what that feels like. As a seven, we got to bring up the, uh, in, the, the, the Enneagram, but um, grief and sadness are really hard emotions for me. Mm. And, um, and I think that I know for me, like part of, I, I think I am um, like you're pathologically unable to accept help. Naturally, <laughs> yes. I'm. I can be like pathologically afraid of being trapped in sadness, even though I'm almost never sad. Mm. Um, and so it's super weird. So I think sometimes, especially when I was younger, that that was really difficult for me um, to know how to be with somebody and. One thing that happened to me in my late 20s, early 30s, I was around our friend, Betty Elwell. Betty Elwell is the mother of Jason Jason Elwell and Crystal Elwell, our friends. Um, And she is a lovely woman. And we went to camp with them. Uh, We went with the the younger Elwells that are our contemporaries. And we went with Jason's parents, Betty and um, Tom. And we stayed in a cabin with them, and it was so fun. And one day, Betty comes into the cabin, and um, she starts crying, and it's just Crystal and I in the cabin. Mm-hmm. And um, Betty tells us, I just saw some little boys playing, and one of them reminded me of Tommy. And Tommy was her older son, who I've never met. It's Jason's older brother, who was 
killed in a motorcycle accident probably now, probably 15, 20 years ago. And that was probably close. No, probably more than probably more like 20, 25 years ago. Time flies when you're old. Mm-hmm. Um, but because Lydia was a baby at that time. But um, I remember we just got to sit there with Betty and and she just talked about Tommy. Uh-huh. And I think it was really helpful that I didn't know Tommy and didn't mm-hmm. have much to contribute. And, um, and, and just got to witness her just kind of like grieve that mm-hmm. and having nothing to say for once. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a miracle. I know. <laughs> I realized it was a real, it was a miracle, but to get to see her kind of like Betty Elwell is a Christian woman with faith mm-hmm. and to allow herself to feel what she was feeling, which was this mixture of grief and joy Mm -hmm. to be reminded of her son Mm -hmm. and then just just get to see that sitting in that for her for a minute allowed her to move past it Mm -hmm. like to like to come out of it you know and then what was sort of cool was sorry I'll get control of my voice Um, so as I knew Betty better and better I knew it was safe and comfortable for Betty to hear about Tommy. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the neatest things that happened, and this was years later, um, probably five years later after that experience, I was sitting on the soccer field and I had just met Kristen Wisner, who's one of our neighbors. And um, her daughter, Emily, is one now one of my daughter's best friends and has been since kindergarten. But um, they were playing on the same soccer team, and this is how I met Kristen. And Kristen walked up to me, and she said, I noticed that you're friends with Jason and Crystal Elwell on Facebook. How do you know them? And I said, well, Jason and Crystal were in our wedding. Jason's the worship pastor at Irving Bible, and Kyle and him are great friends, and Crystal and I are friends. And she goes, I used to date... <laughs> Tommy Elwell and uh, and she you know and she asked about Betty and Tom and anyway at that time we were still going to Irving Bible and I saw Betty at church that week and there was this part of me that was like should I should I Mm -hmm. should I not but I remembered that Betty said she always liked to be reminded of Tommy Mm -hmm. and so I told her (laughs) <laughs> and she remembered Kristen and was so glad to hear it. And right. even a week later, she sent me like a text or something that was something to the effect of like, hey, thank you for telling me about meeting Kristen. Yeah. I always love to know that people remember Tommy. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And we want to shy away. Like I, our tendency is to think that that would be more painful for them to mm-hmm. to remember and that that would bring the mourning process, like that would make that surface again. But it's not. Like that was somebody they loved and they loved to talk about. And probably not enough people bring them up. And, you know, even specifically, I, I think specifically with losing a child. Mm-hmm. Like it's a reminder they were real, they mattered, you loved them. I mean, I love to talk about my kids. Mm-hmm. And that was, I mean, that's their child. That will always be their child. So I, I love that you had the awareness to bring it up and kind of step past that awkward 
nervous. Like, do they even want to hear about this? Because that the person that did reach out to me and say grief would be a good topic to cover specifically said that I want to talk about the person I lost, even if it's as simple as their hair color or their eye color or, you know, right. if they looked like a parent, you know, just anything like that. And obviously even more like their personality or people that they knew or people that mm-hmm. they blessed or, um, impacted in some way. So that I think is, is what I hear most from clients who have grieved someone is it's, it's enjoyable mm-hmm. for me to talk about that person because I don't get that opportunity. I don't know them anymore. All I have is memories and and they've honestly probably rehashed those memories with the people closest to them. So to talk about them with anybody feels like they're still there and they still matter. Well, and-, and I think Betty said, and of course, like any awareness I have to anyone that's grieving now comes from Betty Elwell, like just teaching me, mm-hmm. <laughs> inadvertently teaching me. But Betty said, I love when people tell me stories about Tommy that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of mm-hmm. course. Of course. Yeah such a gift to receive and to hear and it's almost like you get to know a part of them that you didn't know Mm -hmm. or you get to re-remember a part of them that you'd forgotten and so I think in that way it makes it feel like a shared grief and also a shared joy Mm -hmm. and we were talking before we started recording and um I said something to the effect of, isn't there a verse that says something about the Lord drawing near to the brokenhearted? And then Jess said, yeah, I think that's in the Psalms. And I was like, wow, you actually know what book it's in? And then I said it to Annie and she was like, oh yeah, Psalm thirty-four, eighteen. And so I felt really bad, but they're pretty awesome. And so that, I mean, I think... That's what God wants us to do is move into it. I I mean, even, even if there's somebody that tends to probably do what I would do and isolate themselves in their grief, we want to draw near. And I think one of the ways to do that is talking about what they've lost, regardless of, of what it is, just being able to talk about it. If it's a person talking about that person if it's an experience or a circumstance, if it's a job, being able to say, what yeah. did you like about that job? What do you miss about it? What are you hopeful for in the next, you know, just being able to talk about it, which so often we shy away from. Well, you know, entering uh, into grief or sadness or, or anyone else's mess of any kind is just mm-hmm. like an incarnational way that we image the Lord. That he, he stepped in, he came near, he drew close. And I think that's why coming near, entering in, opening up the conversation feels like Jesus because that is exactly who he is. He, he comes and dwells among us and enters into our, our sadness, our pain. Mm-hmm. The reason I had that verse memorized is because... <laughs> When I was brokenhearted, I needed to see that in black and white, that the mm-hmm. Lord drew near to me and that he was close to me. And um, I took great comfort knowing and reading. And so 
that's why I knew it cold because it ministered to me so deeply. Um, I had a friend tell me that that verse saved her, Mm. that, um, she was grieving a rape in Mm. college and, um, that might've been the only verse I knew that year, but, um, that was what ministered to her heart. And so I think that's just something that distinguishes, um, or is a, is a distinctive of our faith, um, that we don't worship a God who tells us to deny our feelings Mm -hmm. in some sort of pursuit of like, um, emptying or, or, or he doesn't stand far off and Mm -hmm. call our emotions wrong. He exhibits so many of them in the scripture and he enters in and draws close to those that are broken. And that, I I just think that that's one of the most beautiful things about the God that's revealed to himself to us in the scripture is one who draws near. I, um, I I just pulled up this this text that I sent to Alicia Pearson, um, sweet Alicia, sweet Alicia Pearson, and um, a couple of weeks ago when I had to do my life story, it was basically like me telling that Betty Elwell story except far far worse, (laughs) far more tears. I don't. If anyone even understood, it was like the groans of the spirit that they were (laughs) understanding anything that I was saying at all because it was just like cry horrible cry face cry horrible cry face it was but, great um it was but not. but in any no case, no it was let's not <laughs> let's not get it twisted <laughs> there it was it was yes but it was great well thanks but i i sent alicia this text because i don't know what happens i you know we have all these girls in our life group that have um been uh learning how to do listening prayer mm-hmm. and it's it's almost like it's almost like you can tell Mm-hmm. It's almost like you <laughs> almost can tell. Like it. It's almost like you can tell. And um, I texted Alicia um, because something that she said to me that night hit me, and it was really funny because it didn't just hit me what she said. It was like what God hit me with after what she said. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Because mm-hmm. um, I started listening too. Um, <laughs> but I I told Alicia I said I feel like every time you pray for me, God speaks a special word. This may not seem so profound because it's something that I've always known in the generic sense. Nothing is wasted. But tonight when you said that, I felt him speak over me. Nothing was wasted. Not a single tear. Any minute for me. (laughs) And then he dropped this verse. (laughs) Like he sometimes does, which she didn't say, but he just dropped it. Yeah. You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. Psalm 56, 8. Mm, And it's what you were saying. It's, yeah. yeah. (laughs) He cares enough to collect Mm -hmm. each tear you cry. Even these. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. And he keeps them. Mm -hmm. Like he, he's not just watching you. He's like treasuring keeping the tears that fall I, yes that one slays me mm. 
I didn't really know where cool. it was in the Bible, but <laughs> it, it's a good I one. thought it was in Micah. That's where I was looking for it. My, you but, mean Micah in the New Testament? He reminded me of the verse, but then I was looking in Micah in the New Testament and couldn't find it. Yeah, it'd be a hard one. To find. So I Googled it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it just makes me fall more and more in love with our God. Like that he, and, and it makes me feel really validated in my profession Absolutely. because I feel like I'm preaching all the time about sitting with your feelings, being still in them, not trying to do them away, like distract yourself. And, and I think that that's validated in what he says to us and what he does for us. Mm-hmm. So it, 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 to me, it's affirming that what I believe about people, feelings, mental health um is true according Confirmed to by the designer the most high <laughs> yes although i do sort of miss and i think i've told you both this i do sort of miss being dead inside back before <laughs> back before god broke me and i all how i dealt with all horrible things with yeah. was with dark humor yeah <laughs> and i really did find them wickedly funny mm-hmm. and i still do sometimes find them wickedly funny but i do cry when it like, i'll still say some you're, some you're pretty more, you're more you know i'll make mother gothel remarks but mm-hmm. i and 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 laugh but also will cry but um i like the tender jess <laughs> and 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 the the Formerly, the the humor that stemmed from Dead Inside, Jess. Right, right. And it's still there. It's just that there's tears with those, Mm -hmm. which I think that what the dead or what the the dark humor used to do for for me was a way to circumvent feelings. Mm -hmm. Now it's a way to get me lift out of Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. I've I've got notes from um, what the, the girl that asked us to talk about this said and Um, She kind of outlined some things that had been helpful and things that haven't been helpful. And I think I've heard this before from friends and clients. It is helpful to know, like we're talking about who God is, that he sees you, he draws near to you, he hurts, he hurts with you. I mean, like he hurts with us when we're hurting it's not like he's like this is all temporary you're coming to heaven anyway don't feel right now other people have it worse than yeah you. yeah exactly <laughs> and so one thing that people have said is not helpful though is to hear well god has a plan in this like there's a purpose here not that that's not true not that god can't use our our hard hurtful sad experiences and and our loss but in the moment of grieving Mm -hmm. that is not helpful to hear and you know god can use these hard things god can use sad situations but that doesn't necessarily mean that god made it happen that's right so to hear that god has a plan can sometimes be can some sometimes paint him as this malicious that's evil right puppet, that's right and can make master. their it can plant some distance there of oh. like well why would i want to draw near to somebody Absolutely. who who caused this and 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 it kind of feels empty to be mm-hmm. honest like god has a plan feels like this go-to yeah thing that christians say that i mean there's nothing wrong about that but sometimes i think it can just really cause a, a, a wound instead of 
something that is healing or honoring of your grief or acknowledging of your grief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things uh, that you're making me think of that, um, you're making me think of Joseph, um, who's one of my favorites. It's, Joseph's one of those people that would be hard to like because he always does the right thing. Mm. <laughs> and don't, That tells you something about Jessica, Denny. It does. But I'm like, if the worst thing you can say about Joseph is that he was like bragging about, he'll, yeah. like telling the, his brothers his dreams, I'm like, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I kind of feel feel, you, brothers. I feel like that's like a preacher just digging deep. I'm like, (laughs) all right. But, um, you know, when his brothers come to him, uh, he says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And... In 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 on this on some way you know like there's the God intended it to to good is like sort of like the plan like God has planned for this, um, but what I love about that particular passage is it's not calling what the brothers did good, mm-hmm. it's saying that God can take a crap show, mm-hmm. yeah, and redeem it and redeem it. Yeah, it, it is not good. The brother, what the brothers did was not God's plan. It was intended for evil. It was intended (laughs) for evil. And God swooped in Mm -hmm. and made evil do something for the kingdom. Mm -hmm. Swallowed Uh, it up. Yeah. And, um, and so, but I, I love that. Like, I love that, that, that part, that, that part of it where he gets to say what it is. Mm -hmm. Nope. Not good. That wasn't good. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And that I, yes, that is so true in grief like this is terrible this is awful i and to acknowledge like there's nothing really good about yeah this. there's nothing good about this. right this is just, just like, there was nothing good about what the brothers did nothing mm-hmm. good about it god can redeem things mm-hmm. there is nothing good about what they did mm-hmm. yeah. there's nothing good about that death and you think about what joseph was going through would it have been helpful to be like, yeah, I know your brothers betrayed you and you've lost everything. And you're being sold into slavery. But, you know, like God has a plan. <laughs> I bet it'll work out. Yeah. Ma- maybe not this time. Yeah. <laughs> maybe or another seven time. to 14 yeah. years. We'll see what happens. You know, yeah. like I that would not have oh. been helpful. But to say, man, I see you and this is terrible and you are feeling like so alone and isolated and betrayed and I am so sorry and I and I think that's very nuanced and I think that that's like I do think um you know I I always use the expression if you're looking to be offended you will um (laughs) amen yeah and and so I do think like when we're grieving it's important to like Try to hear the heart be of what's be patient, like be mm-hmm. patient with the per, the imperfect vessel that's yes. trying to comfort you. Um, <laughs> see the heart and maybe see, not the action. Right. And like you can think like you can probably think of 17 better things that they sh- they could and should have said. But um, but I I I do think that. Um, I don't know. I lost the thread, girls. Well, and I, you know, I, there you don't want to put all the responsibility on the griever. But there are certainly, and I know that's not what you're saying, but there certainly is a level of, it's so hard to ask for what you need. Uh It's so hard to specifically in your grief also be responsible for, hey, your response isn't really helping me 
right now. You hmm. could really do this. Like it's not your responsibility to be the teacher, but you certainly can have grace that people can be dumb. People can say dumb things. People cannot be exactly what you want them to be. And you can maybe see past that to the heart of what they're trying. Yeah. To do. And I, and I, and I, the, I, the thread came back to me. Mm-hmm. What I was, what I was saying is that, that this is so nuanced that sometimes people, I think when they're saying something like God has a plan, they aren't calling it good, mm-hmm. but it feels like, it feels like you're, it, it, the, um, there, there, that's where that delicate, that there's a, there's just the delicacy of, of going like, it's important to call this what it is mm-hmm. and it's not good. Yeah. And, and so, and if you skip over that part, mm-hmm. you're skipping over an important part. For sure. Mm-hmm. So as, as the griever and, you know, I, I've lost grandparents and, and I've had friends that have died but as far as like that deep personal daily reminder of something I've lost, I haven't really experienced that. Um, so I, I feel a little bit hypocritical maybe talking about it, but as a, someone who is grieving kind of the same stuff is true with what you say to yourself. Like we're saying we, you want other people to empathize with you, sit with you in the feeling, talk about what you've lost. The same is true that, that you like you do that for yourself mm-hmm. you let yourself sit and you know it's it kind of I, I I I I've talked to my oldest about this she's my most like Kaylin um in that like they don't like feelings they don't like and none of us like pain but you know just like feelings in general I said our reaction is if we touch a flame we want to pull back from it something that hurts we want to pull away from so it's almost like this you have to train yourself to to fight against your natural instincts to want to run away from painful feelings and sit with this really hurts. Our tendency is to want to fix it. Our tendency is want to do something about it instead of just sitting and going, this sucks. This kind of feels like a crap show. I feel like I've lost so much. I, I don't really know where I see if I, if I see God in this anywhere, I don't, necessarily feel like he's drawing near you know to be able to sit with those things and talk about them is one way or I think the most important way um to cope with grief and I mean I don't want to Annie like call you out but like I was about in your experience (laughs) you know you've lost a major person in your life and like can you just talk a little bit about what that was like and how you walked through that well sure I um she didn't know I was going to do this to her (laughs) but I did no I no no I I'm trying to formulate what I would what I would say I mean I lost my dad um when I was pretty I early 20 like 21 22 um in the first year of your marriage Right. And, um, he, you know, was ill for a while. And so grief was a little bit more prolonged just because it wasn't, you know, I think that's just different than a sudden sort of death, but, um, and perhaps in some ways easier, um, because it's spread out, but, 
Um, I think one of the things I noticed is that everyone in my family, my mom, myself, my brothers, my grandparents, um, his sister, we mm -hmm. all grieved on different timetables and in different ways. And so um, that's just a maybe really obvious, but it seemed super confusing in the moment. Mm -hmm. um, I would imagine that um, I haven't lost a child, but I've lost a niece. And I saw that and was also true with my brother and sister and my other niece and nephew, her older brother and sister, that there's just an asynchronous way that people mm -hmm. grieve the same person who they who they all equally or or perhaps differently loved but but intensely loved um but like I remember being just so angry because my mother immediately started cleaning out the closet and giving p random people my dad's clothes and that you know was horribly mm -hmm. upsetting to me and um that was one of the ways she was coping with her grief was in sort of a flurry of activity mm -hmm. and um you know I might be more prone to stare out the window despondently <laughs> which would frighten um some people why are we laughing at that because I because I I was describing to Annie a Kyle, a Kyle, or in early COVID, sitting on the back porch, staring despondently out into the backyard, and it was freaking me out. And I, I might have indicated that that was something I also was want to do. Um, I had coworkers actually mock me. Oh, not, not. You know, I mean, just they didn't realize that the reason I went every day at lunch and cried as I stared at the mm. fountain next to our office that I thought was far enough away to not be seen by people I knew. Um, they didn't know this anyway. Um, so, so that's one thing I would just say is that people, even people within the same family that love the same, you know, my mom certainly loved my dad, but I did not, appreciate or understand and so you know you have to apply mm -hmm. you have to apply you have to offer grace for others for yourself for people who say dumb things who for I mean there's just as always everything needs just a covering of love right well, and I love that you say that the people closest to you Right. We're grieving differently. Right. Because I think that that can make you think, am I doing this wrong? Are they doing this wrong? Yeah. Like, why aren't we on the same page with grief? Right. And it can make you feel more... Divided. Sure. Divided and, yeah, isolated in it and alone. And, like, Very why alone. aren't they having the same reactions I'm having? Or right. am I supposed to look more like that? Should I be okay with, like, going through my dad's closet? You know? Right. I was prepared to stay home with my mom for a month. She packed up her bags and wanted to go with her sister. And so I was sort of like, what do I, I guess I have to go, I, you know, back to mm -hmm. California and back to my, there's, there's just such a, anyway, that was a surprising thing to me that I don't think you necessarily know until you walk through it. And maybe even when you're walking through it, you don't recognize that other forms of grieving 
or it's valid or Mm -hmm. you might be tempted to think like they don't love them. I mean, certainly there are times when people are not grieving in a healthy way and it's Mm -hmm. obvious. And, um, I've had multiple (laughs) friends whose parents like quickly remarried or, or quickly got involved in with with other relationships. I mean, I remember at least 10 people told my mom not to make any major financial decisions that first year. Um, just because the the temptation to run from grief or to deaden or to numb or to throw yourself into something that's diverting is strong mm-hmm. and powerful and um it's like driving drunk you just you you wouldn't necessarily do it the same way if you weren't mm-hmm drunk um the other thing yeah I don't know if that's a helpful little <laughs> I, metaphor I, I, there I think it's Very true helpful. I think um, it's I think I think it's it, it's it feels true to me yeah um but you know I think to our point earlier I mean sure there's a hundred wrong ways to I mean the the book of Job is a case study in the wrong way to be a friend yes. during grief but um Job is in the old testament <laughs> um you know, being quick to listen and slow to speak is just a generally great rule. Mm-hmm. Whether you're discussing grief, <laughs> like, can we all just <laughs> no, agree life in general is better when uh, people practice that? Right. And I had a really great group of friends that um, actually really new friends when I lost my dad. And um, wow, that's it. That's that's a treasure when you find a brand new friend that's willing to go to the dark places with you, like within a month of knowing each other, but, um, who allowed me to sit in their car and cry my eyes out, who asked me questions like, Hey, I know it's father's day. Are you doing okay? Mm. And I, I remember that made Pat mad because it was sort of like, well, great. Now she's crying yeah, and why she, are that <laughs> why are they bringing it up? Um, and honestly, that was sort of a weird, horrifying part of grief too, where there would be days when I would be fine and somebody would bring it up and then I would fall to pieces. And it, it, there was like a double grief because you would be sad about the thing, but you would also feel ashamed that you'd somehow not thought of it first. Mm. And maybe that was just me having that sweet, wonderful accusing voice in my head but um anyway that it was infinitely better to know that I could say to that person at any time my dad loved that show Mm -hmm. and we used to watch it together Mm -hmm. and that she would never run from that I it didn't matter that occasionally she brought it up when you know I'd does that make sense? Like it was far better that occasionally she brought it up when it wasn't a problem, mm-hmm. but that I knew that I was always okay to bring it up when it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was the friend that I, I ended up at Bible study or life group at her house and just left the room at some point and ended up weeping on her guest room bed. And she just came in and like, got me Kleenex and got me a hairband to get my sweaty hair (laughs) out of my face, you know, just 
like those things. She didn't, there, there was nothing that anyone said that I would quilt on a pillow as being just like, wow, what a magic bullet of comfort and mm. solace. It was, it was those moments in the car. It was like. That they drew near. Yes, they drew near. Although they just if you're lucky me. enough to be friends with Annie Mooney, she does occasionally say things you want to cross stitch on a pillow. True or false, Laura? <laughs> uh, true, except for more than occasionally. <laughs> Hey, I was, as you were talking about that, it's making me think, um, so the grief that I deal with is more of an ongoing grief. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in what is, seems like a two steps forward, one step back, um, dance of emotional health. Yeah. I call Annie and Laura when something that I think a, I'm using air quotes, normal person would feel sad about that happens that I maybe don't feel sad about, but I acknowledge that it would be normal to feel sad about this. And so like what I would previously do when something like that happens is I would just not say a word about it to anybody mm-hmm. and move on with my life because I didn't care. That's that that's and that was part of like the protection that I gave myself was to just not to say I don't care. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't it wasn't just saying I don't care because I still think I struggle sometimes to actually care in the real space. Um, Like, I I don't even know if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It makes sense to y'all because you've experienced it when I call you and tell you about the not caring about it. And then sometimes y'all will say the words. Yeah. That make me know I do care. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking a thing, bringing it into the light. Calling something a name Mm -hmm. gives you a dominion over it, gives you an awareness or a possession of it. And so, yes, sometimes we need each other to be able to know (laughs) what is this Mm -hmm. glob of feelings? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I think sometimes I acknowledge other people have feelings about this. (laughs) Could you poke at me? That's usually what I'm doing. I'm like, Annie, Laura, could you poke at me a little bit? And remind me I'm alive. Right. Yes. And right. I think, that, you know, given anybody's life experiences, depending on have you spent years not being in touch with how you feel, it's going to take some practice to say, not just how, how should I feel, how would other people feel, but how do I really feel? And getting back in touch with, and grief can send you for a total tailspin. Where and and like you were saying, Annie, if you're watching other people, I'm like, wait, my grief doesn't look like that. I don't think I feel like that. That doesn't fit for me. That's not helping. You can really start feeling a lot of self doubt of like, am I even doing this right? But I think there is a certain level of well, and, and I'm going to kind of contradict myself. Like, do it. Trust yourself, but then also have people in your life that can speak into maybe this is how you're feeling, or maybe you just need to sit with that for a while and ask yourself, 
or not ask yourself, like we have been doing listening prayer, which is amazing. Just saying like, God, where are you in this? God, how do you want me to feel? Like I, I regularly say, God, I want your voice to be the only voice in my head. Like you tell me where to land on this. You tell me how to think about this. You tell me how to feel about this because I am lost. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think there's, instead of a judgment there of like, I don't think I'm feeling this right. There's a grace there of going, I'm going to give myself some space with asking God, asking wise people who I trust and who love me. Mm-hmm. Like, Like, what does it look like for me to walk through this in a healthy way? Annie didn't pick up on it when I was pointing at her, when I was trying to, like, keep my voice together to the end of a sentence and hoping that she would rescue me. She's burying her face in a pillow. (laughs) (laughs) But, no, it's okay. I did. I I was just hoping that you would would be intuiting my mind. But um, (laughs) what I was thinking of was, I think, the last time that something happened that was like kind of one of those grief in real time, but I'm like, I don't even feel like I care about this was like maybe a week before COVID. Hmm, The good old days. (laughs) The good old days. It was early March. Way back then. It was early March. The sun was shining. But, um, but. (laughs) Do y'all remember that sunset, that last sunset at Mikosina? I do. We were with our girls at Small Group and we looked outside and we're like, look how magical it looks tonight. And we were like. Someone passed around a funny picture of possible. Possibly DIYing a face mask out of a bra. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was yeah, that we night. Like, and, people, <laughs> and, and we were talking. And we were talking about the places we would go for spring break. <laughs> yes. Those days. Those days. Yeah, I like moments before that. moments before it got canceled. <laughs> and um, anyway, uh, anyway, uh, but but it was it was it was somewhere in that time frame that I the, the, one of the the kind of you know, occasional bombs that will hit me with my ongoing grief happened. And I called Annie and I said, I don't feel like I even care about this. Um, but I'm just like, in the interest of emotional honesty, I'm going to just say out loud what happened. And the advice that you gave me, I have not followed. But I think it was really good. You probably should. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. But do you remember what you said? Yes. <laughs> Will you kind of share that for I, I because I think it's I think it's just good grief advice especially for those of us. It, I know it might appear strange to listeners that I ever say that I struggle with having emotions cuz I like pretty much cry every podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to know that this is relatively new to me, like crying, like five, the, like in the last five years, like prior to that, when Kyle and I were dating and he wanted to define the relationship, I said, do we have to have a conversation? Can't you just tell that I like you <laughs> with an eye roll? Okay. <laughs> so like, just know that that's like kind of where Aww, I like, how I, sweet. I know, I mean, like, so right. Romantic. That's like the warm fuzzy. So I'm. I I am actually a very very sensitive person which is I think why for a very long time I tried very very hard to not feel things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you want to pull your hand back from that fire. Ooh, yeah. I don't like that. Mm-hmm. Which is why Annie said, "Well, I'm pretty sure this is what It's probably good whatever you're going to say and if it's not, I'll just remind you what it was." Okay. Well, 
Um, I, I think it's, it's a pretty simple idea, but the idea is just to set a timer. Is that what you're talking about? Okay. So just a really simple, no-brainer idea is to set a timer, and I, I'm like 10, 15, 20 minutes, whatever makes sense, and, and find a place where you can either stare despondently out upon a fountain or um, get alone or, <clears throat> yeah, I think looking at something beautiful would be helpful, but um, set a timer and, and tell yourself, I'm going to allow myself this time to grieve. I think sometimes with grief or any negative feeling or um, there's just a feeling like this isn't a good time. It's never a good time. Um, there's just, there, there are actual deadlines in real life that have to be kind of adhered to to function well. Um, and so I just made this suggestion that, that you can set a timer at a time that is convenient. <laughs> and a timer because if you are terrified of your own feelings or of entering into something that feels like too much to bear and for some people this is not at all a good idea but if you struggle to enter into those places that <laughs> need to be addressed be a, who do you think it would not be a good idea for well i'm just saying i i think some people you know in grief it might be like the the rolling tides of of grief just never ending never ceasing and you're you're not but if struggling your joy, if your joy and but not if sadness. you were maybe joy in the in the movie um inside out um and, and not sadness that not the character sadness it would be helpful to set a timer and just say okay for 10 minutes a day for 20 minutes a day I'm going to sit with the Lord and I'm going to grieve this thing and if you're angry at God maybe you don't want to um maybe that's part of it too maybe you would say I'm even in anger, I'm going to be honest with you. I want to, I want to spend these moments that feel somewhat safe from the schedule of the day, um, because you you need time to access your heart. You need time to hear. Mm-hmm. None of us hear well um, in the hurry and in the pace that is our normal life. And so, anyway. If you can set aside more time, obviously that's great. But the idea is just that that's sort of a an easy, user-friendly way to, to begin to enter into grief if that's something that you've previously um, avoided, like the plague. Mm-hmm. I think that, I mean, that's fantastic. It's And it's, you know, I, I was saying you want to pull your hand back from the flame, but the, that in that scenario, the flame is actually damaging. Right. I feel like talking about grief, hard feelings is kind of more like exercising a new muscle. It's uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but the more you allow yourself to do it, the more you commit time, like setting a timer mm-hmm. and you do it, the stronger and more comfortable that process becomes and the stronger and more comfortable it becomes to use that muscle. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, I mean, that's a great practice for so many feelings. And I, I, like I promise this podcast is not one extended 
um, commercial for what I do as a profession, but I do think, <laughs> or freedom prayer or freedom we... <laughs> prayer. Although please for the love go. Um, I but I, I, I think with freedom prayer, with counseling, like taking an intentional look at, at things that are hard, at things that are painful. It's a way that you're saying, a, there's nothing too big for God. That's mm-hmm. right. B, like with him, I can do this. Yeah. And, and it's so much better than burying it. You know, I, I, I maybe even said this metaphor, but we were at the lake this weekend and my kids inevitably get a splinter <laughs> and they are terrified when it's, t- when we're trying to get it out and we're, we're, we're careful and like we try to make it as comforting as possible, but they are still so scared. But, and the, the process is uncomfortable but when it's out, they're like, oh, it feels so, so much good. better. Yes, it feels so, so much, much better. better. I can walk on it or I can use right. my finger easier now. And it's not freaking me out to see a little piece of wood underneath there. You right. know, so I, there is something to taking intentional time, even if it means like putting some money towards it, like going to counseling. Yeah. Like to say what I'm feeling matters and I can do this difficult work of looking right at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I can offer these tears mm-hmm. as an offering unto the Lord. I can. And they're all valuable. Yes. Yeah. Well, this was fun, ladies. Mm. <laughs> Super light. <laughs> I know. This this summer is not is uh, is 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 kind of heavy, huh? But I mean, I, I it's a heavy season, man. It is. Well, and that's like, and I know we need to wrap up, but grieving does not mean death, like. I think that everybody in the world, which how many times can you say that? And it's literal. <laughs> everybody in the world has lost something in these recent months. And that too is a grieving I believe you process. mean unprecedented. This time. unprecedented time. Well, thank this goodness the mattress normal. store is here for us in this unprecedented time <laughs> in you. our mattress buying needs. Thank you, mattress giant. <laughs> um, so that too is is a grief process like to and 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 you everyone know, in the world we recently had our thing about friendship like have a community around you that's like even if they're not in the same place you are with the grief process that says yeah that sucks and that's hard and it's scary and i see your low grade panic and i have <laughs> felt it too even if i'm not feeling it right now so that's my PSA for getting community or getting counseling and, and taking care of yourself. That's right. great. Well, um, we sure appreciate you guys joining us. We look forward to the day that we get to see your faces at church. We look forward to the day where we get to meet more of you and have you on this podcast with mm-hmm. us. We sure admit, uh, miss meeting all of our new best friends, don't we? That's we do. <laughs> we do. I might even become a hugger. I know. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I know. Uh, Julie what has the Ju- enemy intended for evil. <laughs> That's right. It's <laughs> happening. Uh, Julie Hess is always so sweet to um, encourage Laura and I. And anytime I've ever written anything for the church uh, blog, she will reach out to me. But it, gosh, she. 
she uh, she sent Laura and I the sweetest email today, and um, I love me some Julie Hess. Everybody loves Julie Hess, but she 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 said she said she was going to hug us when she saw us, and I'm like, oh, I can't wait for it. Oh, harken the day. <laughs> Even I was like, I will hug that neck, Julie. <laughs> You're hug not it. just going to hug you. He's going to hug your neck. Hard. Well, thank you guys for joining us on Embarrassment of Riches. We'll talk to you soon. Bye bye.